I want to start off a little review because I can't remember what we did uh, last time. One thing I know we should have done and I didn't do, I wanted just to mention a book uh, that if any of you are interested in counseling from a biblical perspective, uh, this would be a useful sort of a starting place. Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp, a name that's familiar to many of you. This is the textbook that I used when I taught at Indian Bible College last month. And it's a big book, and there's a lot in it, and we're not, I'm not referring to the book in the class. Um, but if you're interested, um, it's in print, and uh, there's a lot of good uh, food for thought. So, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by uh, Paul Tripp would be, if, if you'd like to, to get your feet a little bit more into the mud uh, of the idea of biblical counseling, then this would be a, a place to start. Um, and if you do pick it up, love to talk to uh, you about your reactions. I can make some suggestions of parts that I think are especially helpful, and I'd be happy to talk to any of you outside of this assembly about anything we're talking about here together. So, uh, that's that. Our conversation is biblical counseling, um, and it occurred to me that um, what are we talking about? I didn't actually give a definition of biblical counseling when we got together last time. And one reason I didn't do that was that in preparing for my class at Indian Bible College, uh, I found 15 definitions of biblical counseling. Some of them are a sentence long. Some of them are uh, half a page long. Uh, some, some of them give you a broad brushstroke. Others want to drill down far to make sure you don't make any errors as to what this thing called biblical counseling is. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the direction of the brief a broad brushstroke definition just to throw out there for you um, as, as a way to get oriented, um, and uh, uh, you're welcome to add to this for your own purposes. But, but try this on for a definition. What do you think? Um, biblical counseling is, listen for three things in this definition, a maturing believer bringing the comfort, correction, and guidance of the Bible to the heart of a soul in pain. Want to hear that again? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Biblical counseling is a maturing believer bringing the comfort, correction, and guidance of the Bible to the heart of a soul in pain. Um, just... Uh, in that, in that short frame, which could be argued about, but there, this is the, the idea here that this is robust help, that, that, that God, um, God is at work in this or can be at work in this definition. Um, when we finished up with, you know, who, sort of the, the object of counseling, who are we talking about? Um, are talking about a soul, um, and by the use of the word soul, I was thinking that we're not talking about a body uh, alone. We're talking about a total human being, body and soul, um, who has a physical body and it has lots of ailments, but they also have a soul, a heart uh, that's connected to God that also gets ill uh, and is sick. Uh, and has pain. And so, um, if we only focus on our bodies, um, we miss 
we miss part of what's wrong, uh, but we also miss a, a good deal of, of the help that God brings. Because uh, often God doesn't change our body situations, uh, but He does change our hearts, the way that we rely on Him for strength and the way we see ourselves and our situations. So the, the focus of this is a, the heart of a soul in pain. Uh, people don't come to counseling when they're feeling good. Uh, so somewhere there's, there's some pain, there's something that's, that doesn't, that, there's something that ails, there's something that's wrong. Um, and that's, that's the direction. Um, do we go grab people and shake them and, uh, and sit them down and talk to them? Now, the assumption is that, that uh, there's a willingness on the part of the person we're talking to uh, to hear what we might have to share. Um, the, the person who's coming is not a clinician, uh, is uh, not, uh, the, the person who's coming is a maturing believer. Notice that that's uh, uh, a present, uh, active, something or other, maturing, not a mature believer. Uh, if you are a mature believer, then please don't do counseling because uh, you will crush the immature people that you try to talk to. But if you're growing, if you're maturing, even if you haven't been doing this very long, but you're growing in Christ, uh, God may be giving you something uh, to say uh, as a believer to that heart uh, in pain. And then lastly, what is it you bring? Um, it's easy. We're, we're all prone to bring our good advice. You know, as something has worked for us. We want to tell people uh, uh, what worked for us, um, which might be a good thing. Uh, you know, we do learn from one another's experiences, but God has something more than just either our sharing our, our good experiential advice, or on the other hand, to think that we need to be a counseling clinicians uh, to be able to bring something helpful to somebody who's struggling with some aspect of their life. So, um, maturing believer. And then the thing, this thing that we're focusing on is, is the message of the Bible, and I just summarize it in these three ways. Um, comfort, correction, and guidance. You could add on to this probably, but when you think of comfort, comfort is more than patting somebody on the back and saying, there, there, let me pray with you. But the idea of comfort in the Bible is that somebody, that it actually addresses, it actually alleviates pain. Um, so, uh, when, when the brother comes to you without food or clothing, you don't say, you know, uh, good cheer, go on your way, be warmed and filled. There's no comfort in that, but there is comfort uh, in the embrace and the bringing of the food and the bringing of clothing. So, the idea of comfort is that there's, there's something here that actually um, will help someone in their time of need. Um, correction. Um, Boy, we don't live in an age that likes correction. Everybody believes that whatever it is that they uh, think is the way the world is, uh, that that's the final answer for them. And so, how could anybody be bold enough to correct? But from the biblical point of view, we realize that, that that's kind of where the train went off the tracks in the very first place. A human beings believing that they knew better than God, that they could make up their own mind, they could set their own rules, they could set their own track, set their own goals, and um, that's, that's the recipe for disaster from the very beginning. So, um, so Scripture then corrects that whole errant worldview, but it does it um, as we bring it 
uh, it does it with not uh, crushing judgment, but it brings it with all the hope and encouragement that there's found in, in coming to Jesus Christ and in finding uh, full life in Him. But um, people who come to counseling need to be prepared. Uh, God needs to be preparing them, and they need to be open to the fact that, yeah, maybe there's something they need to do differently. You know, people come to marriage counseling, and it's always, yeah, fix them. You know, uh, I'd be fine. I don't have a problem. It's my partner. Um, but we, um, as obvious as, as often in marriage counseling, that still is kind of the way that, that often we come to counseling. We want, we're hoping that the counselor maybe will, will do the work for me. And like you go to the doctor and the doctor diagnoses you and the doctor gives you surgery or the doctor gives you pills and the patient is just passive, right? Um, but, and, and often we, we approach thinking we need counseling that somehow we're going to get a silver bullet out of the counselor that I'm not going to have to do anything. I just am going to have to take my pills or whatever. So, so um, the, the, need to be, uh, the need to be open to correction. And then lastly, uh, the idea of guidance. Um, uh, I'll make this point again in a minute, but you know, sometimes um, sometimes we're in a mess because we just don't know what to do. We just don't know what the path is. We may not know the path, what the path is because we've blinded ourselves to it, or our ears have been opened to all the voices of this age that say, this is the path over here, whatever, and so we're totally confused in the dark. But sometimes, uh, sometimes, you know, God has worked on our hearts, and sometimes there is a desire on the part of His people. And, and your part, you know, I, I, I want to walk in God's way. I just don't know what that way is. So, so being open to guidance, um, it's, it sometimes just addresses that fact that, that um, yeah, we, don't, we just don't know what to do and need a sure word um, that, that can come from Scripture. Um, this is robust. This, there's a lot here. Uh, it means there could be conversations going on for quite a while. Uh, I love talking to folks, you know, in 20, 30 minutes when I go over to Sacred Road and talk with the interns over there. Um, we spend uh, uh, two or three times when I'm over there, spend an hour together, but um, we're not doing, you know, once a week counseling for a year or 12 weeks or whatever. Um, great things can happen when God's people talk together about the struggle and pain and bring, allow the Word of God to come into the conversation. So, so this, is, this is robust. Um, uh, any, any questions or comments about any of that kind of summary? Okay. Um, the, there's a question that, that I posed at the beginning of our session before, and that was, there's kind of questions lurking in the back of my mind. You may remember these. The first one is, is this. Is, is APC the kind of a place where biblical counseling is needed? Is this a place where we need that um, comfort, correction, guidance of the Bible, or is this a place where we pretty much, you know, pretty much got our act together. 
Uh, you know, we, we pretty much know how to make life work. We're really doing a pretty good job at it. So we certainly as individuals don't have that need for anybody to speak into our lives. And probably that means that the other folks who would come to Ascension would be like us, right? <laughs> Together, you know, folks. Um, is that the kind of place that we are? If we are, then um, I'm not sure why you're sitting here listening to me. <laughs> um, uh, but if it is a place where biblical counseling, whatever, whatever that might end up looking like at the end of the day, um, uh, if it is that place, then it asks, it, it raises the second question, uh, which is, is this, um, are we, the people of APC, are we the people who are or would like to be equipped to do biblical counseling? In other words, it's a different thing to say, uh, yeah, um, go talk to Pastor Nate, go talk to one of the elders, go talk to Pastor Ed. Um, uh, we do biblical counseling, they do biblical counseling, or is this something that as an individual you could see uh, God, maybe God is already, I actually believe that there's a lot of biblical counseling going on in our congregation. Um, the maturing believer bringing the comfort, correction, and guidance of the Bible to the heart of a soul of pain. But maybe that's not where you see yourself now, but you could see yourself there. And if you're not running, screaming away from, from the thought of ever that being you, um, then ask that question, is this something that, that, that maybe God's calling me to grow in um, and be involved in? So those two questions lurking in the background, and uh, maybe the answers to those will become more clear as we um, move toward a deadline here in three more weeks. Um, comment, question? Theo. Uh, spiritual gifts. What are the closest spiritual gifts to counseling? Uh, I, I have absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, that's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm afraid it'll get us way off the, off the track of what I'm doing. Um, and no, I, I, that's a great question. And we did, um, you know, we did spiritual gifts a, a year ago, so it's a very relevant kind of question. Um, and I'd be happy to talk about that. But actually, I, I may, I may get, a, I may come at it sideways as we go along. So, um, yeah, um, I, I think before you worry about the gifts, I'd say if you got the heart, because so I think if you got a heart. God will open up doors of relationships and connections for you. You'll just find that you're doing it. You're talking to somebody about something besides the mariners, uh, something besides the weather, something besides their operation. And you say, I can't do this. This is overwhelming. But then you come in your need to God and say, you know, if there was somebody better equipped, they would step in front of me and they're doing this, but, but I'm here, so Lord, help me. So, so the first thing that I would look for is that, is, is, is that heart willing to do that, has a heart of, of compassion for people. And I'm not quite sure what gift that, that all is, but um, good question, bad answer. Um, so so last, last time we got together, we talked about, I was talking about that counselors need counseling. And, and the, the, the point is that, that if, you, if you're gonna be doing biblical counseling, it's not that you've arrived, but you need to be as open to the word coming into your life as you are willing to put it out. Um, we all have real sin issues. None of, us, uh, uh, none of us are without sin. And we all lack wisdom. 
none of us have all the answers. Nobody have all the experience. So, so there's a need for input. And, and, and I, again, I made this point a minute ago, but it's in my notes and I like it. Um, we need to remember that we are all finite. Oh, no, we're all fallen. Okay, we're all, we all got sin stuff going on. Uh, but we're also finite. And uh, we're limited. And being limited is not a function of sin. It's a function of being a created being. And often in the church, it's my experience, and sometimes people come to counseling because of this, they know they're fallen, but sometimes they don't feel like the church has given them permission to be finite, to be limited, to be able to say, I've simply run out of gas. You know, it's um, God made uh, the seventh day to give rest uh, because we need it. We need that ability to get recharged. And so, so um, to be... Just, just because there's a need doesn't mean that God expects you to fill it. Um, you're, uh, you may already have a full plate. Um, you know, there's, somebody's always got a new book about ways you can be a better parent, eh? Um, how you can be a better husband, a better wife. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, you may be doing a really above-average kind of job and working at it, and maybe the last thing you need is somebody telling you they've got the magic way to pull it all together, which really means they're simply adding another layer to your responsibilities, which then creates this burden and actually, I think, obscures the fact that what you really need is, is Christ. So, um, we, we, we come knowing that we're both fallen and finite. And so, and this relates a little bit to what Thea, the question Thea was asking. I think that, that, that counseling is the place for humility and not pride. If you don't have the gift of humility, <laughs> that's a gift. Um, don't, don't counsel because then you will have the gift of pride. Um, it's, it's the place for being curious. If you're not curious, um, then uh, you're probably not going to be a very good counselor because um, you're going to, the curious person wants to go dig a little bit deeper, a little bit, you know, further into it. Um, uh, to be curious rather than dogmatic. If you hear somebody's story and the immediate thing you think is, I know what they need, um, that's not a good framework for doing counseling because, yeah, they may need it, but you don't know very much of the story. Um, it takes time to get the whole of the story. So, uh, to be uh, humility, not pride, curious, not dogmatic, being teachable, and not merely teacherly, okay? Um, we need counseling also because we're called to be mature in Christ, and this is progress. This is progressive. We haven't arrived. Uh, and then we're all connected in the body. We're not lone rangers. We're not, uh, and this is really hard in our culture, which makes everybody a lone ranger, uh, determining uh, their path for their life. Um, we're dependent upon each other's spiritual gifts, and so it's a real natural thing for us to look for ways to encourage, to stimulate each other, to love and to good works, to draw near to Christ, to serve the body. Um, it's a corporate kind of thing. It's not that somebody is going to, you know, be the, the, the person who gets the anointing of the Spirit over here in the corner and, and everybody just goes, ah, it's, it's a body kind of thing. Okay? That's what we, well, no, it's not quite all we did. We did one other thing. Um, and that was this, that 
the, the other problem and the reason we need to be open to our own counseling is that we're not as solidly grounded in Christ as we think we are. We know that, that theologically that, you know, the, the great thing is that Christ not only forgiven your sins because of His death, but you're united to Him. There's a union, a bond which has, uh, has, tr- has transformed and is transforming you. Um, he's our anchor and our strength. But we often lose sight of that. We often become my spiritual myopics, my optics. Uh, we can't see very good. And, and two things happen. One is we've been around for a while and things have gone pretty well in our Christian life. And so we become kind of proud. You know, I like to come to church because, you know, this is a place where I get to shine. And, and sort of what happens when pride takes over in our life, that it becomes, you know, our, our, what we're hoping in, what we're trusting in, what our life is, is built on, it's what it's anchored on. It's anchored in Christ plus our good works. You know, I got Christ, but I also got all this stuff that I'm really pretty proud of. Um, and if you've done great things, you know, we're thankful for that. And I'm glad you've done great things instead of done bad things. But if the thing that's, that gets you out of bed in the morning, gets you going, is that is your record of the things that you've accomplished, you know, I can reach out and touch the things I've accomplished, and Christ kind of gets pushed to the background. And before you know it, uh, it's, it's kind of Christ in name only, and it's not not something that I'm living out. I'm not living with Christ. So, so pride can be the, the adding to Christ's work by boasting of what we're doing. But on the other hand, uh, shame is the, is the other way it goes, and that is that, you know, um, I, I believe Christ is my Savior, but I have screwed up my life really bad. I have really messed up. You know, not just in my past, which I never want to talk about, um, but, uh, you know, present time, I didn't keep my commitments. I didn't do a really great job of this. I just flat out, you know, saw of sin and I ran to it like, uh, like my dog runs to the food dish. Um, and so Christ becomes obscured because um, we're, we're, we're so focused on how messed up we are and how we've fallen that, that it's like we dig ourselves a hole and can't get out of it. Uh, so the, the, the answer is, I, th- I think, and this was the, the, the point we tried to end the last time, was that, that what we need to do, all of this, is to increase our focus on, on, the, on Christ, the one who is our life, the one who's given us our standing, given us our identity. Um, and, and that that puts... Um, puts a real benefit on meditating on the Word of God on, uh, on among other things, but, but centrally focused on what does the Word of God say about His love for you in Christ? Because uh, that's the thing that just gets eaten away by our culture uh, and by our own hearts. It can't, be, it can't be this good. It can't be that Christ would really love somebody like me, or it can't be that He would love me even though I'm really a pretty arrogant so-and-so. Um, so, the, the, uh, the idea of, of, 
of, of starting our days and ending our days of uh, really thinking about the fact that what makes it go is, not, is neither my accomplishments nor my failures. The thing that makes my day go is the fact that uh, God in His love has united me to Christ, which gives me um, uh, a path, an identity, uh, and, and, and strength. Uh, his, his, his power, the power of the resurrection, is at work in those who, who put their trust in Him. So, um, I really want to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll just go by that, this in, 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 in a couple sentences. And that is that, you know, one of the biggest obstacles to our really staying focused on, on Christ is that cell phone in my pocket. Um, which could just be an emblem for our whole culture. But you know, did you see that thing on Facebook in the last month or so? You know, what would happen if we treated the Bible the way we treat our cell phones? You know, we'd always be looking at it. We'd always have it with us. We'd always be referring it. We'd always be sharing, um, you know, with others. You, you kind of get the, the picture. Um, but uh, have you ever, have you ever, you know, tried to sit down and have time with the Word and something goes off on your phone or, or you think something comes in your mind, oh, I need to check this or whatever. It just is so easy to get distracted by that and so many other things in our culture that seem to be so demanding you know, and so needy. And so in some way, in some way, it's not that cell phones are bad, but there's, or that the internet is bad or anything like that. It's just that somehow, I think we, we may not be as aware of how much they have taken over our life uh, and uh, how um, we, we need to do something about that. Um, we, um, because we're, we're cut off from often, we cut ourselves off from that opportunity to be meditating in the Word of God as a, as a way of life, as an ongoing experience. It becomes something that's just something that we do to check off, so we now have got more pride, or something that we forgot to check off, so now we've got more shame, instead of just something that we're doing as a way of life, that we're staying in, in contact with, with, with our God throughout life, throughout our life. Any question, comment? Okay, oh. Uh, I appreciate what you say about our cell phones. Uh, and, uh, but another, going back a little bit in, in the conversation here, you know, the motivation sometimes when we go to see a professional counselor, I mean, he might care, but it, his motivation is obviously compensation. Mm -hmm. But in our situation, the motivation really has to be love. And we need to be demonstrating the love of Christ in people's lives. And that gives us the opportunity to maybe encourage them in the faith. But the motivation is different than just trying to help somebody. The motivation is based in the love that we bring the love of Christ. Amen? Yeah. Um, yeah, and what's my biggest problem is I don't love people. You know, what is the thing I pray God to most to do in my life is that God would, His love would go deep enough into my life or deeper into my life so that, that loving, loving you rascals would be, you know, something that would be more, more natural to me, more, 
um, that I wouldn't see the rascal uh, as much as I would see um, the, the image of God uh, and the, the need in your life and, and would move beyond that. So, yeah, um, yeah, this is biblical counseling is not something to do to get, to get uh, compensation, obviously not money, but to get the compensation of, yeah, you're really a great person. Yeah, it's the motivation of you're just passing on what's been given to you. So, Phil, that's really good. Any other question, comment? I hate that clock. If I kill the clock, do you think that that would help? Um, that, that's, that's a metaphor for the way we often treat our problems. If I kill it, I'll be okay. All right, so what we're supposed to be talking about today is um, another problem that we struggle with. Um, and I've called it, and I wish I hadn't, but I did. I called it sins in sheep's clothing. Um, and you kind of get the figure that there's something wrong in our life, but we've covered it over so we don't really see what it is. Um, and um, let, me, let me put it this way. We... we we see we've got problems, uh, at, least, at least some of us do, um, we see, but we don't often see how they're related to our faith, uh, how they're related to our union with Christ. It's sort of like, um, I've got my relationship with Christ, and that's really great, but I've got, I've got all these problems over here that I kind of need to sort through, and there's kind of two different worlds. Let me, let me give you an example. Anybody, anybody here got a problem with anger? Don't raise your hand. I'll, I'll raise it. That's, um, anybody got um, a problem with fear? Fear kind of gets in your life and paralyzes you. Um, anybody got a problem with despair? You know, I just can't find a reason to get out of bed in the morning because nothing, there, there's, no, um, there's no future, there's no, there's no hope. Um, I find that often when folks come and want to talk to me that we can tie into one of these three things, anger about the way things are in the present, despair about um, how things have panned out in the past, and fear about how things are going to be in the future. Um, and um, so those, these, these things kind of come up uh, in a lot of my experience at least. You know, and we all, maybe you're thinking, you know, or I could ask you, so can you think of a Bible verse that talks about anger, that talks about fear, that talks about despair? Um, I, you probably can. Um, you've been around this track a few times. Um, uh, we see that Scripture discourages, you know, Scripture doesn't want you to be angry, fearful, or despairing. So, Scripture's discouraging you to do. So, if you hear those, those, those words come to you and you say, uh, yeah, I need to work. I'm going to be more attentive to my, my anger issues. I'm going, to, I'm going to work on that or my fear issues or my despair. Um, you know, it, it, it calls us to pay attention to that. But what happens, um, you know, if you're tough... If you're a tough guy, then you, you power through these things. You know, yeah, I used to have a problem with anger, fear, or despair. But, you know, I, I read my Bible. I get lots of inspiration. I go for it. And there are, there are churches where that's the vibe is, 
that because they got really good how-to preaching, um, they now are victorious in the areas of anger, fear, and despair. Um, those are churches for the tough guys, the tough ones among us. Um, I used to go to a church like that, but uh, I flunked out. I wasn't, I wasn't tough enough. And because I couldn't get a handle on how to deal with my anger, my fear, and despair, nobody knew what to do with me. So, <laughs> except, you know, we'll just, we'll just kind of ignore you. Maybe you'll wander off. Well, I wandered off. Um, but if I'm overwhelmed, if I'm overwhelmed by these things and I can't seem to deal with why, you know, after 50 years of marriage do I still yell at my wife? Um, I'm overwhelmed, then I'm defeated and discouraged and sometimes disconnected from community. And so what happens if I come to church, um, you know, I sit over here um, because uh, I don't want anybody to know how messed up I am, and, uh, and I don't think there's any real, real help uh, available uh, for me. So um, I may, on the other hand, though, I may decide, you know, I need counseling, and I open the phone book, or I ask for a referral of somebody, and go talk to a clinical counselor who may help me with my anger, my fear, and my despair. And, um, you know, I think that's great. Um, I'm thankful that there are a lot of non-Christian counselors out there who actually care for people, and yeah, they want to get paid, but there are a lot of folks who really are doing it. They're not getting paid enough. They, they, they want to deal with those problems. They, they want to see uh, people thrive. And, and I'm just thankful for that because um, there aren't enough biblical counselors around to deal with everybody. So, um, but the, the question is, is there a connection? Is there more of a connection between my, my anger and my fear and my despair um, that I struggle with, that maybe I take medication for, that maybe I've been going to see a counselor for a year about, and we're doing a lot of talking. Is there more of a connection between my struggle and my, my faith, my life in Christ, my union with Him, my identity with Him, than maybe I have seen in the past? Um, that's the question, and you need to decide, uh, think about what you think of the answer to that is. Um, I'm going to start a story about a real live person, and then we'll, I'm not going to get all the way through it, so come back next week. How was that for smooth? Um, this, I, I want to tell you a story about a young guy who came to me a number of years ago, um, more or less a true story, uh, not anybody you know, um, but uh, this is a guy, we'll call him Nick, and Nick sort of had his eye on maybe the ministry, kind of thought that maybe God was calling him to the ministry, and he didn't, um, wasn't sure, but kind of felt that, that calling. Um, he had, he'd had opportunities to teach in small groups, and it seemed like it went well, and he loved the Word and felt that it had an answer to people's problems. So, so, he had, he had an eye on, on ministry, but he had a problem he'd struggled with for most of his life that he felt would derail that going into a full-time ministry. Um, uh, and so he, he, he wanted to see if he could deal with this. And so the first thing that he did was he went to his family physician and talked about his problem. 
which was that there were times when he would be like, for instance, getting ready to give a talk or something, and he would be so full of anxiety beforehand that he would actually have to go into the, into the bathroom and, and vomit. And this wasn't just a once-in-a-while deal. This was, um, th this was almost predictable that uh, it was like the world's worst kind of thing. Uh, and he figured, I can't go through my life vomiting uh, be, before I have to go to talk to somebody, like lead a Sunday school class or preach or, or whatever else. So, so he went to talk to his family physician about it, and his family physician gave him a diagnosis, a mental health diagnosis, uh, and gave him a prescription. The diagnosis that he received was called generalized anxiety disorder. And that's a very fancy term um, that uh, means something like this, um, characterized by persistent and excessive worry about a number of different things, people with GAD may anticipate disaster and may be overly concerned about money health, family, work, or other issues. Individuals with GAD find it difficult to control their worry. They may worry more than seems warranted about actual events, or they may expect the worst even when there is no apparent reason um, for concern. So, um, anybody here got GAD? Uh, don't raise your hand. Um, the thing that's interesting about that, that diagnosis is that um, I, I wonder, and this is not the technical definition, but it's pretty close. Um, I'm wondering what worry more than seems warranted. Do you worry more than is actually warranted? You know, some worry is I see the gas gauge getting down to empty and I'm worried that I'm not going to make it to the gas station. Well, it's a little late to be worrying about it, but it's understandable. You know, you go for an interview and you find yeah, your hands are clammy and you're a little bit anxious. And uh, um, that's kind of a natural sort of thing. Um, so the question is, that somebody who has, you know, who worries some or worries a lot, do they, do they have generalized anxiety disorder? Do they actually have a disease? Is there something that's wrong with them? That's not wrong with the person who just worries here and there and everywhere. So, um, so he went to his, do his doctor and got a diagnosis, which is necessary if you want the insurance company to pay for it because you can't get, um, the, the counselor can't get paid uh, by the insurance company if you don't have a number um, to, to go with it. So that was, that was important. Also, um, um, but I wonder about the poor person over here who he doesn't worry enough, so he, we can't help him. Um, but, but then they, they also prescribed a, medica a medication for him. And um, there are a lot of medications that are given to treat generalized anxiety disorder. Um, one of the most common ones, uh, maybe you've taken it, Valium, benzodiazepines. Um, that's a really awesome drug. Um, my wife takes it uh, because it calms her brain down when she gets vertigo, which results from the irritation of the, what's that nerve that goes from your ear to your eye? I can't remember it. 
uh, vestibular nerve. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not pretty to see her doing that. So Valium is, we praise God for the creation of Valium because uh, she goes from being absolutely paralyzed to being able to, to sleep and function. Uh, my sister, oh, I didn't want to identify a person. Somebody in my family has, <laughs> has fear of flying. And um, it's amazing what a little one, two milligrams of Valium will do for uh, getting her on an airplane and to the destination. You know, it's really a great thing. She doesn't struggle. It's like a one kind of deal. And it's, it's a pretty efficient way to get her from point A to point B. And so really thankful for that. Um, be pretty sad to see somebody who needed to do that all the time. Um, other medications that are given for people who have anxiety disorders are antidepressants, um, which always seem kind of funny to me because if an antidepressant, if you're depressed, then you're kind of down, but if you've got anxious, you're kind of up. And so I wonder how that all works together. But commonly recommended uh, for, for folks with, with anxiety are one of the... Um, uh, antidepressants, um, selective serotonin, reuptake inhibitors, and all sorts of things. Um, and um, sometimes they help. Sometimes they don't help. Uh, sometimes they, people take beta blockers, uh, which uh, um, basically calm, tell your heart to behave itself. Uh, and, uh, and that's not really the reason they were created, but that they can do that. So anyway, so here's my, here's my friend um, coming to see me because he's, he's trying to decide, do I take the drug or is it possible that, that maybe there's another way out? Maybe I should talk to a biblical counselor about, does my faith... Well, that, that, we don't, I don't think he was even thinking about that. He was just wanting some common sense, I think, when he came, um, <laughs> which, which I took as a great compliment. Um, uh, um, but uh, maybe I just need some counseling. Maybe I need some talk therapy. The second most popular way of dealing with anxiety is with cognitive behavioral therapy, which believes that the reason you behave badly, the reason you throw up, is because you don't think properly. And so if we can change your thinking, we'll end up changing your behavior. And so he's kind of hoping that we would maybe be able to help his thinking uh, and that that would fix his behavior. So the question was going to be, so what are we going to do? And we sit down and talk. And if you're patient and gracious, next week I will tell you what we did. Will you forgive me for ending there? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, this is... Uh, I'm telling you this because this story has a happy ending. Not everyone that I've had the privilege of talking to has necessarily had the ending that I would have considered happy. Uh, but, but this one, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a good bedtime story for you next, next time. So thank you for being here and uh, look forward to carrying this on a little bit. I'll be happy to talk to anybody individually about course material or anything else we're doing. Love to love to do that. Just call me or email me. Okay, any announcements before I pray? Okay, great, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for um, the life that we have in Christ. We thank you that you have, um, have forgiven us our sins, which you've also called us into your family, given us an identity, and you've also given us your power. 
and the way that it works in our lives, we don't always understand and we don't always tap, um, but you've uh, put us on this pathway uh, to discover more and more of the riches we have in Christ. And I pray that, that here, uh, both in this class and in our congregation, that we would have a growing sense of the fact that, that there's, there's more to living in Christ than we know so far. And we're so eager to discover it and find the riches and the treasures that you have for us. Um, that are guaranteed to us because uh, you punished Christ that we might be set free. Bless us now as we prepare our hearts for worship. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.